Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. Tom, I'm really excited about this one today. We have a guy who's probably, of all our guests, is closest to your career, but better than you. Someone who's crushed your dreams in college, crushed your dreams in 1986, and went on to win two Stanley Cups. I know. We have Craig Ludwig. You know, I'd I'd love to hate this guy because he did crush my dreams so many times. But we did the show, I did his show uh, the other day, and uh, we're like brothers or something like that. Brothers from a different mother. How are you doing there, brother? Good. I, I thought you were going to say closest to Jesus. I, we, <laughs> we're, we're not them spring chickens anymore, but we think we are. We live like, I, at least I live like Oh, I am. God. It's funny because uh, I had an incident. I had a Harley Davidson. I didn't know what I was doing driving at all. And Lud's just got a bike. You got a Harley? Is that oh, yeah. bike? Yeah, I got, yeah, I got a street glide. Yeah. Oh, God. So we told the story about me crashing my bike going like 15 miles an hour into a parking lot. And he's rolled his bike a couple of times. So. Yeah, yeah, but I wasn't sitting. I wasn't sitting down when I crashed my bike. Oh. <laughs> years over, going zero. I I was going like oh. eighty five. Yeah, you know the pain of crashing the bike really was like not, not uh, close to my the ego getting crushed so much. My ego just felt like oh, what am so, I, so like you're a pretend cowboy. You're also a pretend biker too, Tom. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I know what I must admit. I am a pretend biker. Yeah, there's no question. About oh, that. wait a second. Do you walk around with a cowboy hat on? Oh yeah, totally. When I first came to, I can show you a picture. When I first came to New York, I had the cowboy boots and cowboy hat on in Manhattan. Yeah, totally. Huh. I, oh, yeah. I think you should be wearing a cowboy hat in your podcast. When you're, when <laughs> you you're do that. your little grasshoppers, you should be having your hat on. They, they don't have any of that size, though, Craig. That's the problem. Oh, God. I, yeah, I know. Oh, we got to, we got to, with this podcast thing that we have, we've got four guys, right? And we cover all four sports. So Nate Newton does the Cowboys. Uh, Derek Harper does the NBA side of thing, basketball side of thing. And then Kevin Mench does the baseball, played for the Rangers. Well, Menchie's head. I, I, it's like a garbage can. Like <laughs> you guys, you guys look very similar when, when your heads are shaved like that. I swear to God, if I could put a picture up, you'd look very similar. I swear to God, I, I, they made me wear a helmet for this clinic I was doing last night, and I had to take the liner out of the helmet. I had to rip it out of there to get it on my head. <laughs> There's no padding whatsoever. <laughs> did, you, did you put some baby oil on top so it would slide down? Oh, I had to, yeah. Vaseline. Yeah. They had Vaseline. Get an old satellite dish. Yeah, yeah. I, get a, I had to get a shoe. I had to get a shoehorn to take it off too. So yeah. No, that's definitely, great. Definitely. So where were you born and raised? Uh, Eagle River, Wisconsin. Actually, <clears throat> you probably know. Well, I don't know. You probably don't. I'm I'm from a real small town, but I was actually born in a town called Rhinelander. So on my hockey card, it says Rhinelander because there was no hospital in my hometown. Oh, okay. to be, you know, kids are born in. So people are still pissed off to this day. 
that it says you're from Rhinelander and you're from Eagle River. I actually placed a call years and years ago and it didn't go anywhere. So they just right. left. It. It's not that big a deal. But anyway, Eagle River, little little small town in northern Wisconsin. Wait, before we go, Craig, can you and Tom, can you tell us, like people listening, what it's like to see yourself on a hockey card? That's got to be super cool. <laughs> yeah. What, 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 do you, what do you mean? <laughs> what, are you, what are you trying to say? When you see yourself on a hockey card, isn't that just like an awesome thrill? Like, holy cow, I, I have a hockey card now. I, I'll be honest with you. I I don't look. I, yeah. I've, I've never I, – I don't look at any pictures I'm in. I don't – and I'm Tom, and I know all you guys, and, you know, I was told when I was doing this stuff here with the stars for the for the TV side of things, you got to watch your shows. you got to watch them back. I've never watched one. Yeah, I'm the same watch. way. Yeah, I don't want to go back and watch. No, uh, I don't listen. I hate my voice. I hate the way – I mean – I hate everything about it. So I, I don't listen. I don't look. Um, and I have a chick that wants to take pictures 24 seven. And right. so the only way I ever get out of the pictures is I do this to her. I, <laughs> I give her the picture that she's got to throw them away. I know. I hate going back and listening. myself. even when I played, I, like these guys that look at the iPad on the bench now, I wouldn't want, I want to do that. The next shift is coming up. I'm worried about the next shift. I don't care about the last one. Yeah. Well, so what you- the worst thing going in after a loss and knowing there was going to be a video meeting or something like that? And you were going to be the star of the video. Oh God, yeah. yeah. Oh. So you've never seen your 1992 glam shot from Pinnacle? Have not. Oh, look at this. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> look at that. You are. Is that Tom Cruise or what? That's right. See that now you know where the baseball tattoo thing came from. That oh. was. I, I tell people all the time. I played the game, so I had to have my summers off to play ball. That that oh. was it. I mean, we played. Uh, there were four of us. And there were four of us that traveled around the country together. And then we played for some teams that traveled. They flew us in on weekends, things like that. But but at the end of the summer, I probably was somewhere in the 200 to 225 games. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. wow. Well, we played, we played in a league five nights a week. And then we'd travel. And then, you know, you could get up to six, seven, eight games on the weekends if you were in double elimination kind of thing. So so um, when you were playing in the NHL, you did this during the summer? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh wow. I did it. Oh, I was when, – when the season was over and – and you know how you go out to the guys? And all? I was gone. I was in my car. My bag was packed, and I had I had games to play the day after I was done. And I actually, I played in, in some games while I was playing, like in especially in Texas here. You know, right. so you, I could play in tournaments. I'd I'd bring our guys in, and we'd play in tournaments here on the weekends if we were around, and I could make the games that I could. So yeah, that that's my, kind of my thing. I, I love playing ball. No, are you still playing now? Yeah, I do. There's some some national things that uh, you know now you can play in the 45 and overs and the 50 and overs and things like that. And so I, I sneak away to the cage, you know. So I go in the in the batting cages and um, you know ours is slow pitch. I played in fast pitch and slow pitch, uh, more slow pitch. I I, play, I traveled I, I traveled to Marquette for, a, for for a league game on Wednesday nights. I'd leave my I'd leave Wisconsin to an our Eagle River, couple hour drive, two hours and fifteen minutes for a league game, and then. Go out with my buddy, still bar time, then drive home. <laughs> Marquette's good for that. There's a lot of bars in Marquette, yeah. Oh, are there yeah. ever? Yeah. yeah, definitely. So, did you start playing hockey as a young kid? I did. Um, okay. You know, we all had like you know we were in three sport, four sport, uh, yeah. growing up, right? And so it was you know, the season was baseball, football, hockey, and um, so yeah, I started. I remember my dad getting me up in the morning at like five o'clock and driving me to the rink, which was only a couple miles away. But so we were on the ice before school every morning, about six, seven of us. And sometimes we try to get more and, you know, cold as hell. And, you know, we were in the car and he'd drop us off and we'd get on the ice at six o'clock in the morning, skate for an hour, come home, take a shower and go to school. All right, good. Now, were you a defenseman when we got started? Yep. I've always yeah. been a defenseman. I, I, there may have been a time that I played forward a little bit, you know, I'm from a small town. So we yeah. didn't have a, 
uh, you know, a lot of superstar players that played and we had just enough kids to make moves. Um, so yeah, but I always, but at the time, you know, you could wander up the ice, you know, like the guys do today. And again, as, as you know, I'm not that kind of guy, but when you're playing at that level of hockey and in a small, you know, little towns like that, I could get away with it. Yeah. So you grow up and then you take off to uh, North Dakota University. I did not know this, but you were a walk-on in North Dakota. Yeah, I was, uh, I had some D3. I got recruited for, I got invited uh, to go to the Cincinnati Reds uh, baseball camp. I didn't do that. I was recruited for football. Uh, My hockey was all D3 stuff. And I was just fortunate that my high school coach, my last couple of years, had gone to UND. Made a call. I, I was sitting at his house, and I have no idea why this happened. I, I, I can't explain it. I was, I was watching the national championship, in I guess that would have been '79, and it was Minnesota, I believe, and and North Dakota was playing. And uh, at the end of the first period, I turned around. My parents were there. Um, his his son, who was my best friend at the time, and and the coach, his name was Jack Saskoff. Um, I, for some reason, I turned around and I said, I'm going to go try out for whatever team loses. I, um, and, yeah, I, I can't even tell you where that came from. Um, Jack Saskoff Sr., uh, who was my coach, um, made a call because he had played at North Dakota in the 60s sometime, called Gino Gasparini, said, hey, I got this big dumb kid. He'd like to come try out. And, you know, that. then that's actually what happened. And I went there. And funny thing was, is I had gone to, I don't know if you remember Gary Harker. Um, he yeah, was yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Gary was coaching Superior, and that was a D3 school at the time. My best friend, Jack, Jack Sasso Jr., we went for a visit, and we were at a big boy's restaurant, and Gary had said, you know, this would be a good school for you. You really like industrial arts. Little did he know that's all I knew was woods and mechanics and things like that, and it's good school, industrial arts. I'm not sure you can make our team, but it'd be a great great school. And I was so fucking pissed off, oh. I kicked my buddy underneath the table. And, and Gary got up to take a piss or whatever it was. I said, Jack, we're out of here. And so he left, and we got up and left. And we walked out. And oh. so then that North Dakota thing happened. We win the championship. And I just so happened have to go from Grand Forks, North Dakota, through Superior in order to get to my hometown. Right. So I I was I didn't even think of it until I saw the sign for Superior. And I went, I got my championship ring, put it on, walked into his office, knocked on the door. And he was sitting <laughs> in his office. And I said, hey, Gary. And I kind of did one of these things with my hand. I said, how are you doing, coach? He goes, good, come on in. I said, no, I'm good. And I just shut the door and I walked up. Nice. <laughs> a little payback time. He was my motivation. That's uh, Stassi. Oh, Craig, who'd you, who'd you guys beat to win the national championship again? <laughs> yeah, uh, I couldn't tell you. I, uh, I have no idea. I, I want to say it was pro- – uh, I don't was know. North, it was Northern Michigan University. Come on, well, that's you your team, Tom. Google, you guys got the Google machine there, didn't you? Did, we no, didn't uh, that's all he can do is Google, yeah. We didn't beat you guys in the championship. Well, so okay, so my first year there was the first year we had the hockey program. So by the time we got to my senior year, you guys were ranked number one the first half of the year. You came into Marquette, Michigan. We beat you twice, so we became number one uh, team in the country. But then I get to the national finals, and you guys kicked our rear. It was like five two or something like that. But what it wasn't even close. You guys had a good team. It was Dougie Smale and Phil oh. Sykes and all those guys, right? Yeah, it was ridiculous. So I I go back and, and tell people like just go back and look at our first year. Mark, uh, remember Mark Taylor? Charles, That's right. Yeah. Uh, and Chorney, uh, Howard yeah. Walker, um, you know, you go back and look at that and how many guys actually play pro. It's funny because Dougie Smale and Phil Sykes both were not drafted, I believe, and they both oh. ended up being the MVPs of the of the tournaments. Right. Um, and I think Phil 
Phil scored three or four goals in the final game. And Smaler had a hat trick, I believe, and then went on to Winnipeg. And I think Phil went to LA, maybe his first team. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's right. Because he ended up in Winnipeg later in his career, but he started in LA. Yeah, I played yeah. with him in LA for a while. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a good little yeah, player. Good guy. Like you I'll mentioned before. I don't know if it was like this with you. When I, and I was a, whatever they call it, true freshman, whatever. I got there and, and there's all these other freshmen. And I'm like, that dude's a freshman. He's got a full beard and he, he looks oh. like he just crawled out of the woods, right? And I'm like, he's a freshman. And that's the first, I never even knew about junior hockey. I didn't, never heard of junior right. hockey, knew nothing. And I'm like, this, this guy's got a full beard. Well, he was 21 or 22 years. I said, sure. he's not a freshman. But, you know, he came in as a freshman. So, right. yeah, and that, those are the kind of teams. They, they, you know, they had a great recruiting process at North Dakota, yeah. like most schools did. Yeah, it was like playing against real men. Like other college teams, yeah. you know, they had some guys were men, but the other guys were young kids. And yeah, 100%. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. So you stayed the four years of college, though, right? No, I left after my third one. Well, oh. no, I had, I had no <laughs> – we had a little conversation with Gino that – you know, I didn't take the right classes when I, again, I walked on, I had no clue what the hell I was doing. I walked into the office, I filled out all the papers and um, go to school. I, I didn't have a place to live. There were five other guys sitting in the same housing office. I had no place to live. And the woman stepped out from behind the counter. She said, listen, we got no places to live here. Um, you five are all looking for the same place. We have a house that's got three or four bedrooms, whatever it was. She goes, you guys want to live together. We all just kind of looked at each other like, I don't know him. He don't know. None of us knew anything. And they were hockey players, right? These just no, they ran. weren't hockey players. Right. They had nothing to do with sports at all. So right. we we just went and lived in the same place. And then, uh, but when I was filling out my application, whatever, and it said all your required courses and blah, blah, blah. I just checked all the required classes. And so I made the team. Uh, I ended up getting a, they, they they gave me a full scholarship. And, and then after the first semester, my grade thing came out and it wasn't good whatsoever. <laughs> I got called into the coach's office and he was like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, coach, what are you talking about? He goes, do you even walk in the door to any of these classes? And I said, well, yeah. He goes, do you, do you know what your grade point average? I said, no. He goes, it's 0 0.08. And so he goes, why are you taking all these classes? I said, coach, on the thing, it says required courses. He goes, dumbass, that's over the course of your college career, which is never be for that long. So, oh. so we ended up saying, here, let me help you with the classes. So I get drafted. And right after we win that championship, um, he calls me out in the hall and he says, uh, listen, don't be one of them guys that thinks that you're getting drafted and you're going to leave. You're not ready to go. I said, no, I, I was never, even, I never even thought about playing hockey, even in college. Oh, really? So, oh. so fast forward to our third year, my third year, we won the championship. I get the same meeting. We win. He calls, Gino calls me out in the hall. He says, uh, I want somebody, I want you to meet somebody. And I said, okay. And he goes, he's down the hall. It was Bill Waters. He goes, I want to introduce you to your agent. I said, my oh. agent? I don't have an agent. He goes, you got an agent now. He goes, can't find any more classes for you to take. You're leaving. <laughs> That's how I took off. Oh, that was so similar to me. Uh, coach called me up at Rick Conley at Normish, and he called me in one time. He said, uh, this is your agent right here. I said, okay. <laughs> yeah. I an agent. You guys really are you twins. Go. You got to go. Well, yeah. here's the next thing that makes us twins, too. So my senior year, uh, I knew I was going to sign with the Rangers and leave at the end of the college season. Uh, so at the first half of the uh, first semester, I was taking some business classes and I didn't show up either. So I'm failing the classes. Now I got to drop that class and take four, four, one credit classes. Now we're on the captain of a nationally ranked hockey team. So I take uh racquetball, bowling, phys ed, and the best one was beginning skating. Hey, bowling two, racquetball two, <laughs> baseball, football, coaching. I took broom ball. I taught a broom ball class. <laughs> 
I, I don't know if you, I was playing uh, squash in there at the time the the world champion. His name was Jahanger Khan, I think it was. <laughs> Jahanger Khan. And I got to play against him because I was a dude in the racket for that squash oh. thing or whatever. Oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh. it was it, it was awesome. I had a two-credit bicycle touring class. <laughs> You're worse than I am. <laughs> yeah. and, and me and Stoney, Mike Stone, who was my defense partner at the time, we figured out the route. So oh. we rode the bikes in the back of one of the trucks. And, <laughs> and we, we'd be the last guys in line to leave. And we knew where Frenchie's bar was. It was just happened to be on the road. Oh, God. Oh. So, yeah. So we'd leave a truck there and we could always kind of time it right. And we could we oh. could wheel back into the pack as they were coming by. Oh, that's funny. Rick called me. The coach was coaching my beginning skating class. So he saw my name on the list. He came to your practice. He says, what are you doing? He says, just <laughs> don't show up once. If you show up once, everybody knows you're going to be in the class. You're never going to show up again. So just don't yeah. show up at all. So I didn't show up for the beginning skating. You got a C plus in that class. Yeah. That's right. We yeah. That. <laughs> right that's, that's funny. So we also found a way because of the scholarship, they would pay. We'd sign up for four uh, classes every semester. We would then drop one class a week into this uh, the semester. They'd refund us the money. <laughs> The class that we never paid for. So that was our beer money during, during the Hey, I had so. two guys, two of my best friends, even to this day, they just happened to go to school in Superior. They were in that same town. Oh. And and yeah. uh, so when it came to finals time, I'm like, wait a minute now. So we got to walk down to the thing, down to the, get your paper. But there were two, there were two, apparently two different tests that were going on. I'd walk into the room with Mac and Stan into the big hall and they, I, they, I'd walk down, give them the thing. I'd, on the way back, I just hand him one. They sat a couple seats away from each other, so they'd get the different test. I handed them the things. Yes, they took the test and they'd give it back to me. I just go hand it in. Oh, that's so, so yeah. they, we it have, doesn't happen like that anymore. Oh no, it doesn't. We had one professor, and he was a big hockey fan. And he remember the old test you have to fill in the computer card with the pencil and the little circle. Scantron. Scantron. Yep. So he handed me the little computer card first before he gave us the questions. And he said yeah. to me, he needs already says, You might as well start filling this out right now. <laughs> so, well, so so on there was there, there was man, I'm gonna get <laughs> with this whole thing. I hope you do too. Oh yeah. Oh. We had a uh coach said, Hey, listen, uh, there's a tutor that comes in on Mondays after practice, and there's like five, six guys, if I remember right, that were in the same class, apparently. I, not that I ever went. And so, anyways. <laughs> I ended up failing that class after how many ever weeks it was. And he says, do you ever take, all he told you is take notes. And I said, yeah. He goes, uh, do you take any notes? Well, not really. I try to remember it. And it was like, dumbass. Those are the answers to the questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Isn't it funny thinking back about that stuff when a pair of idiots we were? Like, we, yeah. learned a hot, we learned a scholarship to get an education. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, worked out well thank, for both thank God some of this stuff worked out for a little oh, bit. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, we were all in on the hockey. That's for sure. We had no other yeah. choice. We didn't make hockey. <laughs> they can't. They can't say we weren't. Coaches can't say we weren't committed to playing this game. That's true. <laughs> oh, I had a blast. It sounds like you did. Too. I had a blast in college. It was a great time and being with the guys in college. And yeah, it was good. Yeah, good. So you get drafted after your junior year. You guys win the championship, and did, did you left college then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I had no classes left to take. Apparently, <laughs> right. I was I was in every bowling league there was. So I, was, I can't I was, believe I, we both took bowling. <laughs> I thought I was the only one that ever did that. Oh god. Yeah, you know what? When I when I was, I can remember the one thing I said, and I remember guys always when they get their signing bonuses and they go buy all this stuff. I'm like, I'm never going to do that. I'm taking it and I'm putting it in the bank. And I remember right. that summer at the beginning of the summer, I got I think I got forty thousand dollars as a signing bonus, right? right? And um. Sure shit. I'm down in southern Wisconsin and I'm driving by this car dealership. And I, what do I do? I buy a brand new R Mazda RX or whatever the hell it was called. And I come driving in the front yard. And so 
Um, and then I took that. I remember leaving to Montreal and I kind of went up to highway two, went all the way across through Canada. I went up to the Sioux and went all the way across and I got to uh, Sudbury and on the radio, whatever station I was listening to, they had made a trade. Montreal had made, and I was going there because I was going to Nova Scotia or wherever their farm team was. Right. I, I knew that. I never knew. I knew I was never going to play in the NHL. I was just going to go there, spend a couple three, four years, whatever I could and make 60 grand a year playing hockey in the minors. <laughs> and then um, that was on the radio. I pulled over to the side of the road for some reason. And I got out of my car and I just stood there and I thought, because they had traded Rod Langway, oh, Brian right. Engblom, um, and then uh, Dougie Jarvis and uh, Riseboro. I remember that trade. That was, that was for Rick Green and Ryan Walter that went from Washington back. Yep. And somewhere in my head, I'm like, well, maybe there's a chance to make this team, which I knew I wasn't going to make the team. And so anyways, we go, and then I get into my first camp in Montreal. And, and oddly enough, that damn car that I bought, going to my very first preseason game on the same block the forum is, one of these French guys runs a red light and T-bones me. And I, and, and I mean T-bones me. I take the shifter off. Go, and my, the only thing in the car was my left leg, my left shoe, and my foot. It was in the car. I went out the window, oh, and wow. I'm laying there, and and ambulances and all that kind of stuff come. So I get up and say, hey, I've got to go there. We're playing for the Montreal Canadiens. we got a preseason game. I walk into the room. Bob Barry's the coach, and I got all these little shards of glass sticking out of my face, and I'm coming down. And by the time I got there, warm-up was in like 10 minutes. And all he did, and Gaetan Lafay was our trainer. He goes, hey, Bob uh, – Craig Ludwig, he got in the accident. He goes, uh, he's coming in room. And so I walk in there. Barry looks at me and he looks at his watch and he goes, come on, kid, you got 10 minutes to get on the ice. <laughs> and the trainer looks at him. He goes, he just got in a pretty good car accident. I don't think he played. And Bob looked at me and I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'll play. So they cleaned me up and went on the ice. So there goes the car. And that's how I actually played my first preseason game. Right. So did you make the team that year? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you did. Huh? I never, I've never played a game in the minors. I'm one. I don't. I can't explain it. I have no idea. I just say that I was in the right place at the right time with the right kind of coaches. Um, and my my first my first game, the opening night was in Montreal. I think it was Flower, Mondu, Steve Shutt, and I'm partnered with Larry Robinson for the opening oh, wow. opening faceoff. Wow. And here we're listening to the national anthem. Mm -hmm. And we were playing an American team, so it was American National Anthem. Right. Anthem quits. I'm shaking like a dog shit sure. carpet sure. Right? Yeah. I put my helmet on. I go skate down to the goalie, and everybody – I mean, 22,000 people. I didn't know there was another national. <laughs> <laughs> I got to come back. I'm already bitter that I'm, I'm even oh. in the starting lineup. Oh, I, that's I, funny. It just didn't make sense to me. Uh, most um, – Mondu wins the faceoff. It comes to me. I give it to Larry. Larry takes his skates up. I skate right off the ice. <laughs> it lasted about, I don't know, I'd say six or seven Are times. you serious, really? You just got off? No, I skated right off the ice. Oh, and then the guys like... wouldn't even open up the door for him. I just had to lift my leg over and somebody had to jump Tom should have done that his first game. Oh, yeah. My first game was up in Boston. And I'm the same way. I was just like, I can't believe I'm playing in the National Hockey League. I was so nervous. I went to shoot the puck around the back of the net. JD was in that John Davidson. I shot it right off his leg in our own net. <laughs> first period, my first game. And it was one of those things you come back to the bench and it's not a coachable moment. It's like, you know, what, what are you doing, you idiot? So I come back to the bench. And nobody's even talking to me. They all stay away from me. This is great. I'm going to the minors. I'll never play in the NHL again. So see, like, this is Chris. like that six degrees of separation. Oh, thing totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's funny. So then you played that whole season, stayed up with the team the whole season. Yeah. I never, I oh. never, 
<clears throat> I don't. Do you remember John uh, John Newberry? John Newberry. I don't think John I Newberry do. was. Uh, he played at Wisconsin. Okay. He was drafted by Montreal, and he was the shit, right? And he got into camp, and and so and we had that was when we had the North Dakota Wisconsin big brawl. <clears throat> there was a big brawl that happened back in I don't know seventy eight to an hour, or no 80, 81, 80, I don't know when it was. Right. <clears throat> anyway, and I kind of had new because it was on the bench, it was in the bench, it was on oh. the down in the hallway, all that kind right. of stuff. Right. But what they did when we got to Montreal is they put us in a room together oh. in a hotel, like me oh. and New. And I thought you got you guys got to be serious. Uh, so anyway, <clears throat> I remember a couple days before the last cut, and Noobs, we get back to the room, and Noob says to me. Hey, don't worry about it. You're not going to be in the minors long. I bet you're going to be back. And I said, yeah, yeah. And so one more pregame thing or inter-squad skate. They make the final cuts. Noobs is gone. I'm oh. still there. I don't oh. say shit. And and so I, I don't, again, I don't know what it was. Um, Jacques Leperrier was the the coach. And we, and he was awesome because hey your best your best play is off the window off the yeah. window, <laughs> play, off the window. <clears throat> I'm like well shit I can get it off the glass with the best of them so uh, you know and then run around and hit a few guys and block a few shots and yeah. you know and again you're playing with that group of guys and um you know they they helped me out so much and so anyways yeah I, I stuck around and 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 I never. I never had to play a game in the minors. I think you only played one game, right? Until you actually wanted to go back. Yeah, fight. well, I came in at the end of my senior year. They brought me in New York, signed a contract, and I went and played New Haven in the playoffs, which was fa fantastic for me because I really – that was my first taste of pro hockey. I knew I had to go back to Marquette and get in great shape and did that. I had a great training camp the next year and played all the way. Yeah, and then at the end, I had hurt my back, so they wanted me to go to the minors play a couple of games, which is – you know the funny thing about going to the minors too? And you need to experience this, but especially if you played for a long time, there's so many automatics for us for guys, yeah. guys like you and I come around the back of the net, pass it to the guy in the hash mark. Our job's done, right? Okay, yeah. we're done. But school of the minors, and a lot of the kids aren't at the hash mark anymore, right? So I come around the back of the net prior to where the hash mark where I used to pass it like a, you know 10,000 times. There's nobody there. So they're all like, What are you doing? You're in I'll tell you what, it's so true because our players that are at this U18 level, the and when they get an opportunity to go play a game or two with an, in the North American league or in the USHL a team that may tender them or whatever. And, and I, what I'll do is I'll watch their game or I'll watch, go back and watch before I talk to them, before they come back. And it's only for a weekend they'll go and play. And I'm like, why the hell don't you play like that? with yeah. us? Because you're trying, you know, they're trying to do all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and they don't really have an answer. And I said, I'll tell you why. I said, because when you get around the back of the net, those wingers are where they're supposed to be. Yeah. You know, and again, that it's it's just this level. But like you said, at the at the minor league level, they're still not there yeah. like they are in the NHL. Yep. They yep. work harder to get to their spots. And so the game, it seems like you're a really good player, and that's not really the truth. You just have to know who you are, that my yes, my right. job is to get that guy the puck right there. Yeah. And I don't have to do anything else. And so that's what we talked about the other day is, like, you got to know who you are, yep. what you do. Totally. And, and it's the same thing for the winger. Like you yeah. have to get back here because they're going to look for you right there. Well, and uh, kind of like the inspirational side, we talked about the other day on your show where it's, it's kind of like life for people coming up too. You don't have to be the best at what you do. You just need to show up every day and do your job. And that's why like you and I, uh, you're probably the same way. I was a nev never the best player on any team I ever played on coming up. I just always did my job. You were the same way. The coaches then knew, okay, he's not our best defenseman. He's our, let's say third or fourth defenseman, but I know that he's going to show up every day, every practice and do his job. And that's yeah. why you keep moving up. And that's a great lesson for kids too, right? Is that, listen, don't worry about where you are on the team. Just be the best that you can be every day, get better and better all 
all time and you'll keep moving forward. So yeah. reliability is, is an important characteristic of, you know, for the coaches, for the players, for your teammates to know that you're getting the same thing out of this guy every yeah. night, you totally. know, and that, and that's what, and, and again, there's, <clears throat> there's way more players like that that are going to advance when they figure that out, than there are the superstars. Cause yeah. again, salary cap, even though it's, you know, eventually going to get to 90 to hundred million, there's still only enough room for, you know, two, three top forwards and one elite defenseman. So yeah, there's totally. spots there for you. Yeah, you know, you just got to buy into who you're supposed to be within that, within that system. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Definitely. So you win the one cup in Montreal in 1986 where you beat us on the way to... Yeah, let's 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 pump the brakes and talk about that a little bit. <laughs> we just brought it up. So, right? well, let's go. 86. yeah. yeah. So 86, you get Patrick Wall. That was his rookie year, right? Yeah. I, I mean, <clears throat> that was the one that I mean, looking back, it was all Patrick, I, you know, and again, <clears throat> I know when, when Costa, we call him Costa, which is French for French white box of French fries. But when Costa was, um, when, when he came in, he was just, he's a competitor, he's a battler and I'll probably never forget, um, his, his commitment to, to his teammates. And there was a play that it was a two on one. And I, I just played it total, just wrong. Like, you know, you get, you get to a certain area of the ice, you make sure the puck doesn't come back. Goalie wants to come out and challenge. That didn't happen. Patrick, I, I let him, I hung him out dry. And I said, and I just, I said, Costa, dude, I'm so sorry. I fucked this thing up. Like I, and he goes, no, I got to make that save. Oh. Said, no. He goes, no, I got to make that save. Oh, wow, that's cool. No way he was going. Well, I shouldn't say that. He's made lots of those saves, but at that moment, it made me want to play. Yeah. More, you know, more the way I'm supposed to play for a player like that. Yeah. yeah. So he was, you know, he was young and and he was he's fantastic. And obviously, it was just the beginning of what we were going to see through his own. Yeah. So what appeared to be maybe cockiness to somebody else was really just ultimate confidence. Like he he didn't want to just be an average goaltender or blame somebody else. He wanted to stop every puck. Right. He he puts. He's probably. I mean, he was always going to be competing against Brodeur. You know what I mean? Yeah, as you, sure. as you look back, it was always going to be that and the connection that they they have. Uh, he just wanted to be the best. That that's all it was. I mean, yeah. and he want and to this day. I think Patrick, whatever he does, he wants to be the best at his job. And yeah. and in that position, 
you know, when you've got a competitor like that, that's why I was blown away when, when Mario was coaching and, you know, that whole thing happened. And yeah, left, yeah, you know? so yeah. I'm like, man, I mean, and talk about, you know, their loss, Colorado's gain. All he does is go on and win a couple more cups. But yeah, yeah and they'll always, I, I get players all the time. You, I'm sure you do. Who's the best goaltender you ever played with? Who's the best goaltender in the game in the league? And, you know, there's, everybody has their opinions. And I'm like, I played with two of the best, Nettie Belfour and Patrick yeah. Waugh, and, and we won cups because of them. Yeah, definitely. Were you there when the the whole incident with Mario happened? No, nope. you were gone. You're gone. I, I was actually watching it on TV. I, for some reason, we had that game on, and I and I watched him because Mario left him in for like seven or eight. Yeah. Goals. Oh yeah. And, I and, you know, when you're a superstar, that's a no no, oh, yeah. <clears throat> especially at home. Yeah. I, I knew there was a little conversation going on, and the look that Mario gave him, and Mario, I love Mario Tremblay. I mean, he's one of the funniest guys to play with, and he's oh. got a temper and. Uh, blah blah blah. But when Mario just kind of stared at him, and then he went and said something to oh, Mr. Corey, the president. That was classic. That was good. I didn't know what it was because oh. you could tell it was in French. I'm like, this ain't gonna end well. Oh wow, that, <laughs> that was, was funny. That, that was quite the exit. Wow, that was similar. It wasn't as public. That was similar to the Robbie Fatorik Wayne Gretzky thing when uh, Robbie benched uh, uh, Wayne in, in Detroit. Yeah, because we had a veteran teammate. Your old teammate Larry Robinson was there. Dave Taylor, John Tanelli. So we're all giggling like little kids. Like Robbie, are you sure you really want to do this? Yeah, the <laughs> bad guy fun. of all people. Oh god, yeah. yeah. So Larry Robinson, one of my idols, and I think you know you get Bobby Orr and Dennis Popin and all those guys, but I think he's right in that conversation. Right, he's one of the best defensive of all time. So good. Good man. He, Larry, uh, there's a whole bunch of things that stick out. There was one time, I'll go, I'll go back in a second. Now. There was one time we were in, uh, we played in Washington and we got snowed in. We couldn't get out. So we had, to, they had to find us hotel someplace. We had to stay overnight and we went out and I buried Larry. Let's just put it that way. Not only in the snowbank, <laughs> but in the bar. He came, we got back to the room. <laughs> I usually had Carbo or Chelly for a roommate. For some reason, I had Larry and, and he just kind of came in, hit the bed out. And uh, and I knew he was going to have to take a piss eventually. So I went outside and I got a bunch of them construction orange cones. Yeah. And I put them all over the room. And I just, <laughs> <laughs> all I could hear is him banging and hitting into the walls and going, what the fuck is this and all these cones? <clears throat> but I'll tell you the kind of guy Larry is. Like, I, I was always scared when I heard about the initiations, you know, getting oh, yeah. shaved and all sure. this kind of stuff. Sure. And then in Montreal, I don't know if they did it in other teams. They always sing that or start humming yeah. that. What, what yeah, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to show our players have no idea what that yeah. is. Anyway, they started singing that song. And, you know, and somebody came up to me and goes, get in there now. Be first. Be first. You want to be first. They don't get it. You know, you don't. The other guys get it the worst. <clears throat> and I'm not buying any of it. So anyway, I'm the last guy on the ice. <laughs> About five guys come out. And they're, they're kind of giving me one of these things. Come on, come on. And anyway, um, they take me in. And, uh, you know, there was at the time when you get strapped on the table, sure, you get sure. cotton balls put on your eyes. <laughs> there was a lot of things going on that actually weren't going on. Oh, God. And so I get up and I'm like, oh, shit, what did they do? I got no hair. I got nothing left. All they did is shave one half of my little pencil oh, oh. mustache, right? Oh. And I had paint on me. and I And that was it. Oh, and so, and I, and I was scared to go look in the mirror, I look in the mirror and I'm like, What's this ain't that bad. You know? Yeah. So anyway, I get in the shower, who comes in to help me wash off Larry. 
Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, not, not in that kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, yeah. he's rubbing you down or what? He probably doesn't want me to tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, I mean, that one, look, you're good, you know, all this other kind of stuff. So, oh, that, and, and again, that saying that's in in that room, you know, from these failing hands, we passed the story, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff that everybody's heard about. I started to figure it out after about right. seven, eight years, you know, what it actually meant and sure. how guys like Larry and, and flower Bob Ganey, Bob Ganey's kind of like my Scotty Bowman. When I, when I look back on all the kind of stuff and it's exactly what Larry was doing, you know, as far as helping you uh, become that player to stick around. And I'm sure somebody did that with him. Yeah, sure. Um, but what a class act, you know, yeah, I know. and everywhere he goes, he just wins. I know. Yeah. And I'm going to tell the story that I probably told a thousand times. So Tommy, you can give me a hard time right, about this. We so we were at the Montreal forum. You were probably there. And, and uh, I was assistant captain at the time. Larry was captain or assistant captain. Something happened. So we're sitting, sitting there at center. I was talking to the referee. And uh, all of a sudden I hear this chirping out of my left ear. And I can now, I, Larry, Robinson, Larry Robinson is right beside me. I know that. I'm still kind of intimidated by him because man, he, this guy is a legend. And uh, he's chirping at me. And I look over. I said, are you talking to me? He says, yeah, old man, I'm talking to you. And I said, you're calling me old man. The, ref, the referee's dying laughing because he sees that I'm just totally flustered, right? And uh, then Larry just laughs and skates away. And I'm like, holy, oh, was that cool? Like, Larry Robinson just busting my balls. That was yeah, good. yeah. He was like, I, that that's kind of when you know, yeah. you know, you know that you're accepted into the yeah. group, number yeah. one. But yeah, Larry, Larry's just just a class act. And yeah. and his wife, Jen, I mean, they're just, they're, they're such a good yeah. They're such a good family. Yeah, and he's like a little kid. I mean that in a good way, too. Exactly. Yeah, like he just loves playing the game. Right to the end there when I was in L.A. with him, he just yeah. uh, had a blast. Yeah, it was good to yeah. be around him. Craig, Craig, how crazy was it when you guys won the Cup in, in Montreal? Like the whole country Whoa. was done, right? um, the, the first thing I think of is I never realized um, how important the Cup was to the fans. And, uh, you know, our, the, the parade that we have, and there's that St. Catherine Street. Uh, we had to meet at the Forum, which – Naturally, I was late again for that one, but, <laughs> but we had to meet at the, and then we get, and we all had, there were two players per car. And so we went to the mayor's office and I think everybody signed something. And then we had to come up the street in St. Catherine. You got to go by all the strip joints and the bars and every place that we're hanging out, you know, all the time. And, and I can probably drive from one end to the other, I don't know, in 15 minutes, you know, with the lights and traffic and stuff like that to the forum. It took us six hours in that parade oh, okay. and the cars were crushed. They had no, there, there were no boundaries. Like, so the, the people were literally right next to the cars. Yeah. Um, but the only good, and I was in a car with Rick Green and the only good news, I guess, was we were going so slow that when you had to piss, I could get out. I'd walk up to one of the strip joints. I'd go up the steps. I'd have a beer. I'd piss. I'd have a beer. I'd come back down. The car was about 30 feet away. So you could see that the whole day. When, when Greeny and I got back to the uh, forum, because we got to the forum, and then we had to go in for the on-stage introduction and things like that inside inside the forum, we had 19 bottles of Dom Perignon in the floorboards of our car. And they, <laughs> it was all coming from the bar owners that were walking out. And, oh, I was just going to ask you that question. How many beers was that six-hour ride? Oh, yeah, God. No. I, have, I have no clue. I just know that I ended up someplace that night. And I had just gotten a red uh, Camaro, a convertible Camaro. And when I left there to finally head home, I walked out and it was up on blocks. All four of my tires were gone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. funny stuff. So you won the cup then. How many years did you get in total in uh, Montreal then? Uh, eight or nine, I think it was. Yeah. And, and where'd you go after that? I 
on my way to, to Minnesota, I stopped in uh, New York with the Islanders for a year. Again, it's funny because <clears throat> when I, in the summer between Montreal and New York, um, Bob had called me and, and he was a GM at the time in Minnesota. And he had said, hey, are you interested in coming to Minnesota? I said, absolutely. And um, he goes, okay. So uh, a few weeks later, I get a call still in the summer and um, he was trying to make, you know, a deal to, to get me not to New York where I hadn't been yet. And he says, hey, sorry, didn't work out. They wanted way too much for you. You're going to have to go to New York. I'll call you at the end of the year. If you want to come to Minnesota, we'll get you over here then. I'm like, All okay. Right. And All so, and he did, he, you know, and then so that next year I came home and he said, you still interested? And I said, yeah. And so that's when I headed to Minnesota. And who was the coach and GM in the Islanders at that time? The big man. Yep. You know, yeah, we had our assistants were well. Al was Al Arbor was the coach, and then we had Lorne and Darcy Regeer, oh, Lorne okay. Henning and Darcy Regeer, and it was it was something that was new to me because in the meetings, in in the meetings on the bench, Al would always stand in the back of the room, and Darcy and Lorne would always run the meetings. They would basically run the bench, and Al would just kind of stand in the back and he oh. kind of oversee everything. Right. <laughs> Remember the two things that stand up from Al were were um. There was one morning skate after a game, and we're all around the circle there on the ice stretching before we started doing the first drills. And Al skates up to me, and he bends over. He's got his stick. You know, he didn't. He bent over. He goes, you played in the wrong area. And in the wrong era. Oh, right here, yeah, yeah. He goes, yeah, you should have played in the 60s. And I'm like, God, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> and real good. Really? Yeah, I, I had no clue what he meant by that. There's another uh, thing. He was quoted in an article the Rangers had, uh, one of the Rangers magazine, saying the same thing that I, I played like the old school defenseman. Yeah. And I yeah. didn't know, okay, is that a good thing or bad thing? Yeah, that, I was like, wow, man, I'm not sure. If, uh, I played like shit again last night or, or what <laughs> happened. And then, and then we were on the bench one time, and I'm sitting on the bench, and there was a goal scored. And he comes over to me, and he taps me on the back. Like he had to step over the thing. He taps me on the back. He leans down and he says, What happened? I said, What's that? He goes, What happened on that goal? And I looked at him, I'm like, Uh, I don't know what happened. I want to watch it. <laughs> so, watch it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, he was just, and I can, I can see how, you know, when those guys are winning the cups and, and yeah. Al was there and, you know, one of those kind of coaches, you know, yeah. you go through a wall for him. Yeah. You know? so, so you left the island with a, a nickname and a tattoo, right, Craig? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I, I left, I left. Yeah. It, it's funny. I, that year I was there, I, it seemed like it was six years, you know, and, but, but I'll tell you what, though, what a group. Uh, of guys i mean glenn healy was there you know i mean yeah, I, yeah. Th there was such a such a good group of guys um that were there and um the only thing and the other thing i remember is that shithole canny act that the poor guys had to practice out of oh, all yeah, yeah. it was the worst practice rink um cold uh, uh like a dungeon but um i can never and that's where mick Fakota and i became good friends and you know mm -hmm. then mick I take the Mick back to Montreal, you know, at the end of the year or when I was done in mini or, or Dow, whatever. And he'd come up and I remember Mick bought my kids a go-kart and brought it up to Wisconsin. He'd come oh. and say, yeah. And then Mick always wanted to learn how to ride. Oh. Right. Right. And I'm like, stir. I said, I just can't see you. Well, anyways, he wanted to take my bike one day and I had a little cabin up in Eagle river. And, um, it was about six in the morning. I heard the bike start and I'm like, man, we got home about two hours ago. What's who's he was here. <laughs> and I looked out the window and it's Mick and he figured out how to start the bike. And I just opened up the door to say, Hey, what are you doing? He just took off. He got about two or three feet and laid it down right there. That's <laughs> <laughs> all dewy and wet. And he laid it down. So, oh. I mean, I, I, Richie Pilon, I mean, I can go through the whole list. They have such a, 
such a great, great group of group of guys there. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, in a way I'm, you know, it, it was in that transition thing right. uh, for the Islanders. And so coming from Montreal, it was, it seemed like it was a little bit looser there. And I guess I wasn't used to that. Um, Pat Flatley, who was their captain at the time, you know, again, they had such a good group, but you know, it all worked out when we went to Minnesota. Good. How long were you in Minnesota? We were only there for a year, yeah, uh, two years, oh. I guess it would be oh, before, okay. you know, the team moved and everything like oh, that. Yes. Yes. What I think about Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I was loving it because I, when I was a kid, I used to, I raced snowmobiles as, as a young kid and we had the world championship snowmobile derby in my hometown. So anyways, that was part of our lifestyle. We take them to school and stuff like that. So it was something we grew up doing all the time. And, a buddy of mine was a big wheel with Skidoo and Stumpy, Stumpy got me an idea with, with one of the dealers there. And so I had a sled in the back of my truck every day I went to practice. And so nice. I would, yeah. And I, I drive South for a couple hours after practice, unload it and, and go for a ride. And I, one day I had to, it was called Waldock and, and it was a racing sled. They were using mine for a test sled. So when Skidoo had the races going on, they tweaked my motor. So if the motor blew up or anything, I just have to call and they come out and they give me a new sled. And I just called them one day and I said, Hey, is my sled ready? I'm going to head south because I had to go past Waldock to get it. He said, ah, can you give us another hour? And I said, oh, okay, what's up? He goes, well, we think we can get another half half mile an hour out of it. I'm like, what? <laughs> I said, where are you at now? Well, we got it about 122. We think oh. we can get close to 123. And I'm like, oh, well, that's important to get that other half mile. <laughs> so, but it was nice being there because we, we, he, we were able to set up, uh, you know, they'd give me like 20 sleds for the guys and the wives. And so when you had a break, we could take them on oh. a snowmobile ride. And, you know, they had the little sugar shack kind of things like they have in Montreal and they, you know, through the tree and stuff. So it was great. And then next thing you know, <laughs> you know, it was nice because I always got free sleds in the winters and sure. stuff. You go up to home and then all of a sudden, a couple of years later, you know, no, no need for the sleds anymore. Yeah. So how good was the team at that point when you moved to Dallas? How what? How good was that team? Like Madonna uh, was there at that point, wasn't he? Yeah, we were, it was a transition kind of thing. I think when we got to Dallas and, and that's when Bob was, uh, Bob Ganey was ultimately the coach and GM. Right. And then that's when they, they brought in uh, Ken Hitchcock. Um, oh, yeah. And also Hitch was around kind of observing for the last few weeks or whatever. And, um, you know, I, I remember, I remember having a conversation with Bob and Bob, if you know, Bob Ganey, he's, he's direct, he's to the point, he's 24 seven hockey. And he just said to me one time, he goes, you know, we're, we got a lot of 500 hockey players here. He goes, I don't care who it is. We're making changes. And this is when we first got to Dallas. And I wasn't sure what he meant by that. And he's kind of cryptic sometimes when you talk to him. And so once you get to know him, you're like, oh, okay. But what he meant was 500 hockey players were win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Sure. We're not going to settle for this. And, and so, and that's kind of when, you know, it, it changed when we, when we got here to Dallas and he started making, you know, transitions from guys that were there. Um, you know, he just kind of felt the team was kind of stuck in um, in that pattern, and and so that. But that again, you come from Montreal, where Bob was, and yeah. Yeah. you know, you're in that market, and you're used to winning everything all the time. And so, you know, and again, it, when we got to Dallas, it was like, what are we getting into here? Nobody yeah. had a clue. Yeah. You know, our, our first game was at it's called Will Rogers over in Fort Worth, this preseason game, and when we stepped on the ice there were hundreds of crickets. That's all we saw in the ice. I mean, it was like, they just, they just put the ice in and it was crickets everywhere. And we were playing St. Louis, the blues and, and both teams are skating around like, what the hell are all the crickets doing here? So, you know, and then we, in our fair and our, and one of the preseason games, you know, and there, we got 40 guys there. So I remember sitting there with, I think Charles was there and Broughton and Stewie Gavin, guys like that. And we we're sitting in the stands and we had scored our uh, first goal of the game. And there were a couple of Cowboys sitting in front of us. 
And they were talking about, well, they don't even know how to keep scoring this game and stuff like that. They only got one point up on the board. <laughs> for a field goal, we kind of looked at it. We're like, uh-oh, what are we in for here? Yeah. And then ultimately, man, yeah, it, it was it was awesome. It's a great it town, yeah. 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 yeah, it was yeah, great. Definitely. So what year did you win the cup there in uh, Dallas? 99. <clears throat> My last year. Oh, yeah. it was your last year. Okay. Yep. Nice way to go. Yeah, out. I was going to. I was actually going to, I was thinking about hanging it up the year before and oh. my wife at the time, my ex, but, and then she goes, no, play another year. And, uh, <clears throat> and so we did, and it, it all worked out. And I remember after the game, I told Smitty, our trainer and everybody, you know, we were all sitting around the room and, you know, on my, the two championships in college, a couple Stanley cups, I've never won a game at home. The final game at home. It's always been on the road, which I kind of yeah. wish I would have won at home because you sure. watch guys with their fans and stuff. And we are <clears throat> Everybody was celebrating in the locker room, and I walked in the training room, and I said, Smitty, um, can you give me a case of beer and, and give me the room? And he goes, yeah, sure. And so he brought a case of beer, and I brought my my kids in, and Pam came in, and I just said, hey, I'm done. And she and she said to me, oh, I knew this was coming. I said, yeah, I'm done. So, <clears throat> you know, it was a, it was a nice way to, to end it um, for me. And then ultimately the next year, uh, in the winter, up riding with – about eight of my friends in February and it was like one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon. And, um, we, we stopped it. It's called the Hooten bar. They got one pound burgers. I remember sitting there and my phone rang and it was Bob Ganey on the phone. And I'm trying to tell everybody to shut up. Like this is Bob Ganey calling me. And, um, I, I just kind of walk outside and talk to him and he had asked me if I'd be interested in going to our minor league team was in Kalamazoo. And he goes, Hey, uh, and Bob was always a guy that was three, four steps ahead. And he goes, Hey, I, I have a plan A, but I have, I gotta, I gotta figure out plan B before I pull the trigger on plan A. And you interested in going there. And so that's how I ended up going to Kalamazoo and, you know, coaching our minor league guys. And then oh, we, yeah. the year after, and I was there coaching with Bobby Bourne. The year after, um, it was Jimmy Playfair, uh, Mark Hunter, and myself. And then um, the next year we went to Salt Lake and Bourne oh. was, Bourne was the head coach then, which was, Fun and interesting. Uh, did you guys have any beers together? Oh man, Bob Bourne and I roomed together in L.A. So I. Oh yeah, there you see, there you go. Yeah. Oh yeah, God, it was. We were, we were like brothers for guys. It was like I'm telling you, coaching with Bourne is like one big road trip. Okay. <laughs> I don't care. If we were home or on the road. It was one big road trip. I don't mind telling the story now, but we used to have a deal was that we could never go to sleep uh, at the hotel room until we've had a cocktail. So it didn't matter if it was like five o'clock in the morning. We yeah. <laughs> we had all the keys to all the different bars in the uh, hotels, you know, with all the little. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, awful. He was a great guy, you know. Yeah. yeah good. Yeah. It was Crazy fun. Guy. I had a good time. You know, it's funny. I. <clears throat> this is when I started learning about the new generation, I guess. Yeah. I guess I didn't know at the time and I couldn't, I, I couldn't get our, the players that were in Kalamazoo to understand we were trying to fix the, the neutral zone and how we play in the trap and things like that. And I couldn't get, anyway, I called our, our uh, video guy back in Dallas and I said, Hey Leon, send me, send me, give me 10 minutes. I was sitting at a bar uh, after practice. I'm going, man, how do I get through to them? I'm watching the game. Dallas is playing Colorado. And I'm like, God, I wish the team was here watching. So I can say, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Anyway, I called Liam. He sent me a tape. And uh, so a couple days later, chopped it up a little bit, showed it to the players and got on the ice. And there must have been four or five guys came around, tapped me on the pad and said, coach, now I got it. Nice. And I started learning they were visual, right? And it was, nice. and, and it wasn't even where we're at today. But but now I was like, okay, they, they need to see more versus in our day, you know, they draw it on the board and you'd go there and yeah. you go to that spot. And even our guys now, I mean, I, you can draw a play up on the board or a breakout and you'll skate to, and you got, two or three guys standing at the board yet looking at the board like, so what are you guys doing? And they're like, well, why do you want me to go there? 
Because that's where I told you to go. That's our breakup. Yeah. They just want more information. Yeah, sure. Well, wh- why would I go there? Why? Because this is, you know, this is what the other team does. We're going to try to do this. Right. So that was kind of the beginning of our more, you know, it, it's getting more visual. And sure. so it was a good learning process for me there, though. Good. How many years did you coach in the minors? Just a couple. And then I came back to Dallas. They had me come back to Dallas. And <clears throat> I don't know what the hell I was. But I was, um, we had Hitch. We had Ken Hitchcock as a coach, who's hard to play for. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I've been with Hitch for a long time and I was that guy. It seemed like every day, let's get in here and talk about this. That guy got to get him to do this, all this other kind of stuff. Um, so they brought me back to Dallas and Bob said, uh, you're going on the ice for all the practices. And I said, OK, and I'm going to give you an office upstairs. And I was like, OK. And he goes, but it's going to be on the opposite end of the building. <clears throat> I'm like, OK. And he goes, it's right above the locker room. And I'm like, OK, I don't know. And then that's all he told me. I had no idea. <clears throat> so I get a get an office up there, and I kind of talk to a couple guys. I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, I got to go on the ice, but he's giving me an office. What the hell do I need an office for? Uh, one of the secretaries come up. What do you want in here? I'm like, a fridge and a cooler. And a <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. <clears throat> so finally, I get the balls to go ask Bo. I said, like, okay, so I'm doing this. What am I doing? He goes, I want you to talk to players. He goes, um. If anybody wants to come and talk to you, you they're going to vent. They're going to come up the back. So they're never going to have to go by the president's office, the GM's office. They're going to come up the back steps. They're going to talk to you. And then you decide. He goes, you can either come to me, tell me, or you can take care of it yourself or handle it any way you want. And I'm like, okay. He was just looking for a sounding board to vent. The guys would do that anyway with me. And it's funny. I had guys that I was like, it could be as small as a practice timer. You know what I mean? The game, whatever it was, ice time. I'm like, okay. Oh shit, my dog's gonna start. Barking. That's all right. Don't worry about it. Um, <clears throat> can you guys pause it? I'll let him out. Yeah, we can do that. Yep. Yeah. Just pause it a second. Yeah, yeah right. We said it. Man, it's like a mirror for you. <laughs> Minus <funny>. the hair. <laughs> we were talking about that. Uh, we did a podcast yesterday. It was like, holy fuck, the stuff we've done again. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. You know, it's really similar trajectory. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. Even now, yeah. Divorces, motorcycle. You can't say motorcycle with yourself, though. <coughs> well, yeah. You, sure you, well, you can, but you sure just... Sure. All right, I got a three-legged dog that fucking runs my life. Oh, That's and right. here he's back already. Um, <clears throat> so anyways, uh, so Bob gives me an office upstairs. Uh, go talk to him. You decide what you want to say. Uh, you can come to me. You can take care of it yourself. And what, what I found was they just needed somebody to vent to. Sure. And you could... You could have a couple of superstars to come up there. I'm like, okay, I, I, okay, I'll talk to Hitch. And the, the thing about it was, it would be the next day or two days later of practice, and I'd get a same kind of thing that happened in Kalamazoo. I get a tap on the leg, look at him. I try to catch up to a couple guys. Say, how's it going? Awesome, thanks. I never said nothing to anybody. I didn't say yeah. nothing to Ganey. I didn't say nothing to any of the players. They just needed somebody to vent to. And there were other guys that I went, hey, Hitch, you got to get off this guy. And, and Zuby was one of them. And, you know, and there was – and I'd always say – Zuby, Sergey Zubov. Zubov. And I'd say, you know what, like, Hitch, you can't push the same button with Zuby that you push with me. Everybody's different. And the last thing we need or want is to lose Zuby. Like, when you're, you don't want us to get pucks in deep and all this other kind of stuff <laughs> – and there was a time 
you know, we weren't having a good game, and Zuby gets to center ice, and Hitch was on him a couple of shifts before. Zuby gets to center ice, and he flips it in, and he looks at the he looks at the bench like that. You want me to do that? Okay. I do that. <laughs> and I'm like, and he sits on us and Zuby, that there's different rules for different players. This isn't for you. And so, but anyway, that was a conversation I had with Hitch. And I said, Hitch, like, like you, I was playing with Zuby at that time, and I said, listen, out of ten plays that Zuby makes, eight of them are setting somebody free, and and it's a it's a highlight reel pass or play whatever the other two if they don't work out that's my responsibility i have to know how to play that two-on-one sure. and all this other stuff let zuby be we need zuby and so so that's kind of what i think would, would hitch listen to you hitch would listen to you hitch would listen to you when you said oh that? yeah yeah oh, but wow. it was a negotiation right so there were certain ways he wanted us to play sometimes players didn't want to really play that way and i so i go in there kind of knowing what was going to happen i'd say give us five games give us five games and if not we're going to go back to your way well, he said, oh, no, I'll give you one game, you know. And so it, it would settle on three. And that's all I was actually hoping for sure, was sure. three. We'd get into the very first game. He'd go, you buggy. And I'd just turn around and I'd say, three games. <laughs> you know, and so – and I give him credit, you know, for that. And even – and I, I love Ken Hitchcock. And what I loved about playing for Hitch was that he was as hard on the superstar players as he was on the rest of us. Sure. And I think that was a refreshing – um, and they didn't like it, but at the end of the day, you know, they got rewarded for, for playing a certain way and, you know, him holding him accountable and he gave them a little bit more rope here and there, but, uh, which they deserved that. And I tell our player, I mean, I whisper in our players, you know, we, again, we have a team this year that has to play a certain way and we've got a couple guys that are super skilled and I'll just say to them, listen, but I'll say it to them individually. Cause I think I can trust them and say, Hey, there's different rules for different players. And when you see that one-on-one, you can try to, you can try to beat them. The other guys here, they can't. They got, they got to chip it behind, and they got to go, you know, create this other kind of stuff. So, um, you know, and, the, and again, those are the little things I think that I've learned along yeah. the way. Well, first of all, that's a heck of a compliment to you, right? With a guy like Hitchcock that he'll listen to you because he doesn't listen to too many people, and a guy like Bob Gainey to trust you, to, you decide on your own what, how you want to handle it too. So that's a huge compliment to you. The team you're coaching now is that the U18 team? Is that the? Yeah, yeah, we've got the AAA. It's a U18 elite. Uh, we call Dallas Stars U18 elite team. Right. Um, so, you know, most of the good thing is we used to, we had a, uh, a friend of mine, our kids play together. He kind of started the program and his name was Doug Miller. He was partners with Boom Pickett. So they were big oil guys right. and Doug would put in $250,000 a year. So families were only paying five grand and he was picking up 15 to 20 grand a year for these kids. And so that's changed now. Um, and what we were bringing kids in from out of town too. Okay. And so. Uh, we had really good teams. And so it's evolved from there to where now we've got uh, some good players around Dallas. And so we make yeah. our team up of uh, kids that are here. We've got a couple kids, but they're still from Texas. Um, they'll bill it. You know, we'll get a couple of kids that may have to bill it. But for the most part, they're all local guys. And so, um, you know, we play 65, 70 games a year, somewhere in that neighborhood, 60 to 65, I guess it would yeah. be. Good. And you've got your podca- podcast going on that I'm on. Right? I was probably the best guest you ever had. Was I the best guest? Oh, you were by far so, the best. Yeah. Like you so, said, brother from another mother. Like well, it's, it's an easy, it's an easy talk. <laughs> it's kind of like that, that, that chick and that dude that can kind of finish each other's sentences. You know, oh you can just kind of no, go. It's, it's true so, love. It's how, true many, love. I want to ask you, how many, do you get tired of people asking you about survivor? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, what's funny thing. I played for 11 years in the league. Nobody wants to talk about my career at all. They want to talk about survivor or true good life or whatever. So yeah. <laughs> Craig, like... Craig, you know, Tom, do you think he gets tired about talking about himself? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Had, you got to deal with them more than I do, oh, so I, I don't know. Well, it's funny because I've learned this whole self-love thing. And everything, you know? So when I say that stuff now, people look at me, yeah, you love yourself a lot. There's no question yeah. about that. 
Well, that's good. You feel good about yourself, apparently. Yeah, totally. that's yeah, good. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. the podcast, uh, Suds with Luds. Pretty successful. Yeah. Good. Like I said, you know, it, there's a there's a guy in the market here in Dallas, and his they, they his nickname is the old gray goat or the old gray wolf or the old wolf or something like that. And it's one of the big radio stations here called the ticket. I, I don't really listen to a lot of radio stations. I, I, I do the Spotify thing and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I didn't know who it was. His name is Mike Reiner. Come to meet him a few months ago. Super nice guy. Been in the market forever. Left the ticket station that he started 30 plus years ago and was doing a podcast out of his basement. Has an idea. Says, listen, I, 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 I few of them had an idea. Why don't we see if we can get somebody that covers each sport here in Dallas? And so they went with the baseball, football, basketball, hockey, um, you know, and, and again, he got, he got, you know, Nate Newton from the Cowboys, big name, Derek Harper played the NBA, Kevin Mensch, like it's mentioned before, um, you know, and then myself. And so I kind of stay in, we all stay in our own lane, but what we figured out is that when we all get together and it happened from the very first show, when we get together, there's something there. We all get along. We can share different stories. We can relate to these things like, yeah, that happened to me when one day I was on the road in, in Miami in the football game, you know? And so now it's kind of evolving to where we had a conference call like a week ago where we may start be looking to do these things once, once a month, twice a month, where it could be a 7-Eleven that wants you to come and do, you know, they got a corporate thing going on and just, get, you know, people can ask questions. But the concept is great because now all of a sudden you've got this group that covers all four sports. And so, you know, if you're going to get sponsors, advertisers, things like that, they can do it individually. But I just tell people that are interested. I said, if it were me, I'd be doing the whole group because it covers everybody. I mean, you get all people, all different kinds of people from all the sports listening. So anyway, so far it's been good. I, I found that when you think it's easy and know everybody, um, and you, oh yeah, I can do this weekly. And you get to a point where you're like, oh shit, who am I going to get next week? You know what I mean? And I'm the kind of guy that I don't like to infringe on other guys, you know, yeah. time and things like that. And then you find out they're like, oh, dude, I'm good. Yeah. So, guys, so <clears throat> it's been good for me because I've started to realize that the most, and I'm anally with notes. I mean, I get so many things about the, the person I'm talking to, but I, I found that I'm, I'm getting better at listening to what you say. When you're, oh, when no, you're, you're not brothers anymore. Yeah, you know, you and just kind of go off of what you said. You know, what I mean, just listen and yeah. and instead of going here to here to here to here with the topics that you wanted to talk to, then I'm done and I'm like, holy shit, I missed like, you know, I didn't yeah. get the seven things. That's okay because it yeah. was, you know, good conversation. Especially when you don't know somebody too well too. Like yeah. you, you and I are just getting to know each other. Too. We learn about each other's yeah. lives, man, totally. Yeah. So any regrets you've had quite a life? Any regrets at all? Quite a what? Any regrets at all? You've had oh. quite a life. <laughs> Yeah, I you know what, but it, but I, I I say that I mean I wish I'd done a few things I didn't I shouldn't have done and I did, but I think that's all part of the process of getting yeah, yeah. to where we're at. And would I change anything? Yeah, I'd probably find a way that I could spend more time with my kids. I mean, I was playing, you know, they were Pam was taking them to hockey practices and going on road trips, and I was gone. And <clears throat> I don't know if I could change any of that, but there were times when they had baseball practice or a hockey game, and I got back from the road. I'm like, shit, man, I can't. I'm tired. I got to yeah, sleep. Right. And it was mostly because I didn't come right home when the plane landed. You know, that was, yeah. it was all self-inflicted. So I, yeah. I would change some of that stuff for sure. But, um, you know, I've, I've met so many good people. I found a place to, that I like here in Dallas and I still get, you know, I go back to Wisconsin in the summer when it gets too damn hot here and, and, you know, on the lake and a couple pontoon boats. So, um, you know, I've learned a little bit. I've, I've learned to, I'm trying to learn to not just say what's on my mind all the time. I get a lot of like, yeah. 
you know, being be know who's in your presence. I'm not really good with that all the time. And Kim, I got I got a good chick. She she she's hot, and she seems to put up with my shit. And but she's and I'll get the you can't say oh, that. Oh, you know that kind of stuff. You yeah. know. So yeah, so she's good. But um, yeah, no, we have a we, we we're we're good. Uh, I enjoy what I do. I, I hope that this thing. The podcast stuff is, it, you know, as a matter of fact, I was telling you the other day that Herman Marshall, uh, Herman, that's funny, Herman Marshall whiskey and early bird gummies. Those are my sponsors. Like, let's, nice. like I need to tell you more. They're having a grand opening of their new uh, distillery oh. in Wiley out in the country here uh, tomorrow night. So, um, so I'm probably going to jump on the Harley on tomorrow night and Saturday and, you know, Flirt with disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Little oh, God. One of the funniest lines when we were in Dallas, we had that little uh, meeting or we got up and talked, and Ed Belfort got up and talked. And you said, he started off, you said, okay, you, you have a, a whiskey company now. Do we think this is a good idea? <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we know all of our history. Is, but Eddie, yeah. When you're a superstar, your stuff is out there. Oh, you know what God. I mean? It's out there more prominent than it is for the rest of us. But yeah, when Eddie called me, Let's, I just bought five acres next year, like right right down the road from where I'm at right now. And he goes, I bought five acres. I said, Oh, yeah, what are you doing? Are you moving there? And he goes, ah, I'm gonna build a, a distillery. I said, What? I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't up on the whiskey thing and stuff like that. No, I said, Whiskey. And Eddie, said, have you ever heard the phrase putting gas on a fire? And, and he goes, What are you talking about? I said, You've never heard the phrase putting gas on a fire. Oh, so what do you mean, Les? I said, Ed, think about it. And it was silent for a couple seconds. He goes, oh, I know what you know. I said, yeah, <laughs> you and whiskey. I said, let's just go back in history here, oh, like a year ago or whatever it was. <clears throat> anyway, he has poured everything into that thing. Belfort oh, Spirits, he's poured everything into that. Um, his daughter and his son um, do a hell of a job. And Eddie's out there all the time now. I'll tell you what, Eddie would never want to, I don't want to say he didn't want to sign an autograph, but he didn't want to go to things where people were, you know, Eddie was, you know, kind of just a lot of us, I think sometimes like, ah, I don't want to go out in public. He's everywhere now. He's been to North Dakota a few times. He's got a bottle uh, with colors and everything for the Sioux. Um, and he does these tastings and things like that. His, his son, Dane, is is incredible in, in talking all the specifics of it. So, you know, that's that's their project. That's a legacy that he wants to leave with his kids. And he, I mean, he's putting a ton of time into it. That's pretty cool. And you guys, the alumni there in Dallas, are fantastic too. You brought us in for the weekend, do some great causes. What was the one we were in, the soup kitchen kind of thing? Yeah, the soup kitchen. Uh, yeah. You know, they're feeding the homeless and things like that. As a matter of fact, after that guy was talking the other day, I went up to him and I asked him, I said, you know, because I've done, you know, some other things go downtown and you just kind of walk in, you kind of help feed the home. You know, they're always looking for people just to kind of scoop some food out and help people come in. And so I went and talked to him and uh, I want to, I want to see if I can get my kids to go and we're going to just take them in there one day and, for a couple okay. hours, just go in there and say, "Hey, I told myself I'd love to bring my boys in here and you know put the little knit hats on and sure. the gloves and you know and and see, you know, you guys aren't multimillionaires, but see what yeah, this but, is, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you need a little dose of reality. Yeah, it's good for the kids to see that. Yeah, did Bob Bassin did it with his kids too? Bob brought him yeah. his kids. Yep. In there. <laughs> yeah, Bobby Bobby Bassin and Gerald did it, do a hell of a job with our alumni. So, and again, it's not like your alumni or Detroit's or Montreal's and. You know, we have like Al Secord, guys like that, yeah. Waz, who played Toronto. So we have uh, Kevin Colley, you know, the Islanders. So we have a bunch of guys around, and they're con- we consider them all, we're all on the same team um, because we don't have, you know, 100x sure. Rangers yeah. in here. So, um, you know, and, but we do have Morrow's name tag up there, Carbono's name tag up there, Holly's name tag up there, Neuendijk's name up there, you know. So we'd crazy. like to get them guys. <laughs> 
Yeah, in case they come back, yeah. <laughs> Gerald, Gerald Diddick got stung by one big bee there, didn't he? Or? Oh, Lord. How, how about you, how about the dance he did for you guys? Oh, 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 we were in the locker room. We got uh, to see that thing like oh. all the time. So we were in the locker room, and I was pretending that I had my my phone out, and I was going to uh, have a video of him taking his clothes off. Oh. And when he finally did take his clothes off, he goes running around the room. He pulled his underwear up around his crack of his ass oh, and started no. running around the room. He kept on asking me. Should I give him the dance, Les? Should I give him? I give oh, him the did he? Oh, oh, oh. <clears throat> I said, no, Diddy, don't do it. No, no, oh. come on. I got to give it to him. I said, no, Diddy. And oh. he goes, come on. I said, okay, go ahead. Just let me know when you're going to do it so I can turn around and not look. Oh, it's God. like those, those big apes are around in the jungle. Oh, oh yeah. It's just... <clears throat> but yeah, again, he's kind of the, he's he's the financial guy. Oh, okay. Yep. Diddy's a finance guy. And Bass has got a lot of hats he has to wear with the stars, you know. Right. Um, he does. He He's working with the youth hockey and you know, all the events and stuff like that. So yeah. it's a good group, uh, really good group. You get a lot going on there. I guess. Yeah. So. Yep. Well, listen, uh, thank you very much for coming on our show. Uh, we are brothers now. Uh, we yeah. didn't know that we are, but we are stuck together now forever. I think so. You're a good man. Seriously. You know, I, I, I'm right back at you, Tommy. I, I appreciate you coming on my show. We'll do this again. You yeah. never know. We could probably somehow we could, our minds could get together and do something down the road. I don't know if I'm going to get up at 3 a.m. <laughs> like I said, I don't have any grasshoppers, but I am going to start calling my fans or my people that follow me bar hoppers. That's right, bar hoppers. That's right. <laughs> Hopefully that will stick. So maybe you'll start seeing some shirts and hats out there. Let's bar All hoppers. Right. All right, brother. Good to see you. Thanks, Craig. Right, Tommy. Thanks, Take guys. Care. Well, Tom, like who? That was a, what a blast, man! Who knew you actually had a brother? I, I never knew that. <laughs> so, Greg and I, uh, we never we played against each other a lot. And we just over the last couple of weeks, we've gotten to know each other. And it's funny the stories we tell, like the classes we took in college. And who same takes thing. bowling in college? <laughs> well, see, I thought I was the only one that took bowling in college. <laughs> he did as well. So, you know, a lot of people complain, say, "Oh, those athletes, they have an easy ride in college." Well, you guys definitely confirmed that. Oh God, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, we'd like to have our cocktails together, and uh, yeah, he's a fun man. We out uh, now. My Harley Davidson stories are a lot less than his, but uh, we have both yes. had the bikes too. So, yeah. Absolutely, but what a, that was a blast. A lot yeah, of fun. Uh, I hope everyone's going to enjoy that one. That was awesome. Yeah, I definitely have to listen to that one. It's good. All right, Grasshoppers. Thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.